morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bev. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors who may be joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we've come to the, well, depending on how you want to count it, the second to last Sunday of the church here, or the 24th, or 24th Sunday after Trinity. For us, it is the 24th Sunday after Trinity for this year. And um, we're going to hear a great deal about death and resurrection today. But before we get into the details of the Readings in the service itself today, I'll turn your attention to the back of the bulletin where we have a section of Luther's small catechism as we continue to follow our midweek school students through their memory work and through the catechism this year. It's a good practice for all of us to do. And we'll see that we moved on now to the Apostles' Creed and their the first article. So then we speak together uh, that first article and its question. The first article, Creation. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. And if you're counting, there are nine alls in that. Just a reminder even how Luther wrote that, pointing us toward the fact that God does provide all things for us and protects us from all dangers. Turning our attention to the readings for the day, I'll have you open your bulletin to the inside of the back cover where we have that focused on Christ section a summary of our readings for the service this day. A shroud of darkness engulfs us. Sin, death, and disease threaten to sever us from life's fullest measure. Without new life in Christ Jesus, there would be no light to dissipate, dispel, or curb grief and sadness. But Jesus has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in, of light, delivering us from the dark domain. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand. You are my people, the Lord says. The presence of Christ in word, wine, bread, and water confronts our sinful nature with forgiveness. In the sacraments, God claims us to be his very own children, creating and sustaining our faith. So in Christ, we humbly receive the words, your faith has made you well. On the last day, God will surely awaken us also from slumber in resurrection glory. Well, we have a foretaste of the resurrection today as Jesus comes to us, the same risen Christ who is our Savior, feeding us his very own body and blood in and under bread and wine. And he bids us as he, we come to his altar that we be in unity in what we confess, not just concerning the supper, but in the whole of what we believe, teach, and confess as Christians. Therefore, we ask that in accord with the Lord's word, all those joining us at the altar this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in that one common orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our service setting is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your faithful people. 
that they, plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works, may by you be plenteously rewarded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 24th Sunday after Trinity is from Isaiah chapter 51. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, that pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of of the oppressor? when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, neither shall his bread be lacking. I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand, everlasting, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, You are my people. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Colossians chapter 1. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Lord. 
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On this 24th Sunday after Trinity, we stand a week from the end of the church year, and just a week beyond that, then, is the start of Advent. And as we near the end of yet another church year, it's normal, it's common for Christians to contemplate things such as death, heaven, the resurrection of the dead, and Christ's return on the last day. Now, each of those things is on their own a big, weighty topic, and we often do not have the words to express how serious or how joyful they are, depending on which one we're describing. And this is where hymns are so very helpful. Good hymns have the ability to take up heavy topics such as death, heaven, the resurrection, and Christ's return, weave them together with the truth of God's holy word, and then express them within the framework of beautifully fitting music. Good hymns confess deep biblical truths, hence our hymn of the day today. In five brief stanzas, Pastor Paul Gerhardt confronts the reality of death and he anchors it to the truth of Christ's victory over death. Now, Reverend Gerhardt is uniquely qualified to speak on the sting of death and our certain and joyful hope in Christ's resurrection. And why is that? What makes him so qualified? Well, young Gerhardt lost his parents by the time he was 14. And when, his, when he was 30, his hometown was destroyed in the Thirty Years' War. Oh, and later that year, his brother died of plague. Now, were that list of tragedies not long enough, he also buried his wife and five children during his ministry. Surely Paul Gerhardt was acquainted with grief. And yet, despite that, he wrote numerous hymns and poems of unparalleled hope and joy and trust in Christ, many of which we have in our hymnal. So then what does our hymn of the day have to do with the appointed gospel lesson? Everything. As you'll see, the suffering woman in the gospel, along with the father of the girl who died, all had faith in Christ despite their suffering, even despite death. You see, faith holds on to Christ and holds on to his promises despite the chilling stare of death and the weight of suffering that often accompanies it. In Christ's resurrection from the dead, we see our own. As we look at these very real people who are presented to us today in the faithful historical account of Scripture, we see ourselves. And most importantly, we see Christ, who has overcome sin, suffering, and death. In Christ, we have hope, we have healing, and the promise of the resurrection. So then, the first two stanzas of the hymn. Why should cross and trial grieve me? Christ is near with his cheer, never will he leave me. Who can rob me of the heaven? That God's Son for me won when his life was given. When life's troubles rise to meet me, though their weight may be great, they will not defeat me. God, my loving Savior, sends them. He who knows all my woes knows how best to end them. See, over the centuries, many have criticized Christians for trusting in a God they cannot see, a risen Christ that they've never witnessed with their own eyes. Christians are desperate fools is how the insult often goes. And yet in the gospel, we meet two people who did trust in Christ and were proven wise in their trust. We meet two people who, despite their suffering, come to Jesus for things which only Jesus, the Son of God and Lord of life, can provide. First, there's the woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, in St. Mark and St. Luke's parallel account of this, we learn that this woman had heard of Jesus, and she believed he could heal her. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word, she had faith. 
And this poor woman had suffered at the hands of many physicians who could not heal her. She had spent all she had for care that only made things worse. Perhaps you can relate. Sin ravages our bodies. No matter how healthy you are today, no matter your diet, your exercise, your youth, or your good genetics, you will die someday. Now why? Why does this happen to us? Well, because you and I were human beings, and human beings are sinners. Death and the many various sicknesses which precede it are in the world because of sin. Ever since Adam's sin, death has been in the world. Now many people, they spend all they have and beyond that just so that they can obtain good health or even just stable health. By God's grace, we have doctors and health experts through whom God provides healing and restoration of health during our earthly lives according to his will. But even then, many folks still suffer with pain and dysfunction that will only be alleviated once their earthly life has ended. Because we are sinners, death's cold stare meets us all and its grip is unavoidable. So where is the hope? In who or in what do you trust when death stares you down? Now, the unbelieving world, they can call you a fool as much as they like, dear Christians, but we, we will trust in the one who has overcome death and hell, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Folks, the resurrection of Christ is historical fact. Jesus lives. He is alive. The same Jesus whom the woman with the flow of blood sought out and touched. And what happened to her? Well, we read, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Now this woman, whom the world would call a fool, was proven to be wise. She trusted in Christ, not just for physical healing, but for eternal life and salvation from death and hell. For he who can heal our bodies with only a touch can and does bind up our souls with his saving word. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has saved you. For that is what the text says. Saved you. To all of his baptized sons and daughters, God the Father speaks the same word of forgiveness and salvation to you today. Take heart. Your faith has saved you. But how? Why? How and why does your faith save you? Well, it is precisely because of who your faith clings to. Just like the woman who is healed, faith has an object that it clings to, that it grabs hold of, and it will not let go of. Faith, given by the Holy Spirit through the Word, clings to and grabs hold of Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of sinners. And just what has this Jesus done that you can be certain of your salvation from sin, from death, and from hell? He gave his life on the cross, and then he took it up again on the third day. But you may be wondering, saying, well, yes, pastor, Jesus died and rose from death. But when this woman touched him, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. So how then did she forget and receive forgiveness, salvation, the promise of the resurrection from Jesus if he hadn't died and rose yet? Well, I'll answer that by paraphrasing what the catechism teaches about baptism. How can the fringe of Christ's garment do such great things? Certainly not just his garment. But the word of God in and with his garment does these things, along with the faith, in this case that of the woman, which trusts this word of God clothed in the garment. You see, dear saints, the gifts and benefits of Christ's death and resurrection, they transcend time. 
Yes, Jesus was crucified and raised from death at a set point in time, in history, at the proper time, as God said, he sent his son. And yet the benefits of his death and resurrection, they stretch back to Adam and Eve in the garden, and then they stretch forth to the last moment before Christ's return. Therefore, this woman received the benefits of what Christ would most certainly accomplish, and she was made whole. She was forgiven, given a foretaste of the resurrection and the healing of her bleeding body. We confessed in the hymn, Why should cross and trial grieve me? Christ is near with his cheer, never will he leave me. Who can rob me of the heaven that God's Son for me won when his life was given? Now the questions are rhetorical, but we're going to go ahead and answer them. No one, no one can rob you of the heaven that God's Son for you has won when his life was given. It is true that we will and we must suffer in this fallen world and in our fallen bodies, but these trials need not grieve us unto despair and unbelief. Why? Because we have Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through word and sacrament, you belong to Jesus. You are joined to him in baptism, grafted into the true vine as one of his living branches. You are baptized and redeemed and beloved son or daughter of God. Therefore, even when God lays a cross upon you and the suffering is great, you have the sure and certain knowledge of God's love in Christ Jesus. When affliction and suffering come, it is not proof of God's anger. It is not proof of God casting you off. It is not proof of God forsaking you. It is not proof of God giving in to his anger for even a brief moment that he might take it out on you because it's been taken out fully on his son. And so then knowing the heart of your heavenly father, you can trust in his love despite the suffering, knowing that he has a purpose for it, even if you'll never know it. This is why we can confess in the hymn, When life's troubles rise to meet me, though their weight may be great, they will not defeat me. God, my loving Savior, sends them. He who knows all my woes knows how best to end them. Think about it. We don't know why. We don't know why the woman in the gospel reading suffered for 12 long years before being miraculously healed. She would have been ostracized and likely seen as damaged goods. According to the ceremonial law, she was perpetually unclean, unfit to worship in the temple, and yet God still loved her without fail. And we all know someone who has experienced great suffering in life, and perhaps you are that person who is experiencing great suffering right now. Nonetheless, God's love for you is constant. He has not forsaken you nor cast you off. And the proof of this is seen in the fact that the Son of God took on human flesh, our flesh, bore your sin and your shame and your suffering in his own body on the cross, suffered the wrath of his heavenly Father and the pangs of hell and died for you. Why? He did all this for your forgiveness and salvation, that you would be bound up with him as his forgiven one. So now in Christ, your suffering has meaning. In Christ, your suffering has been overcome and it will lead to life. In Christ... Death cannot slay you, though it might day and night trouble and dismay you. Thanks to his victorious resurrection from the dead, Christ has made death a portal from the strife of this life to his joy immortal. And that, dear saints, brings us to the remaining stanzas of the hymn and to the other miracle that's in the text today. In stanzas three and four, we hear, God gives me days of gladness, 
and I will trust him when he sends me sadness. God is good. His love attends me. Day by day, come what may, guides me and defends me. From God's joy can nothing sever, for I am his dear lamb, he my shepherd ever. I am his because he gave me his own blood for my good by his death to save me. Now just prior to that woman with the flow of blood, we meet a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, and his 12-year-old daughters just died. Words struggle to convey the grief which must have consumed Jairus in that moment. And yet he goes in hope and in faith to Jesus, and kneeling before the Lord, he says, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. What an audacious claim. Again, the world scoffs and rages against such confessions of faith, saying Christians are desperate fools. And yet by the power of the Spirit, Jairus trusts in Christ Jesus, the Savior of sinners, the one who will and has triumphed over death and the grave. And so after healing the woman with the flow of blood, Jesus came to the ruler's house and he saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion. He said, go away. But the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. The Lord of creation who had created this young girl had come to wake her from death as from a nap. In disbelief, the mourners laughed at him, scoffing at the thought that death could be treated so lightly. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. When the cruel, cold grip of death has taken this young girl from her family, Jesus came, and he rebuked death with the touch of his hand, with his life-giving touch. Think about it, dear saints. Both the woman afflicted with bleeding and this 12-year-old girl, they came into contact with the Lord of life, and they both were healed and raised up to new life. Both were and are saved by Christ. Even though Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, death must flee from his authority. It can do no other, for he is the Lord of life. Indeed, he is your Lord of life. As I mentioned earlier, death comes for us all because we're all corrupted with sin. The wages of sin is death, says St. Paul, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus knows the weight of guilt, of shame, sorrow, and death. He bore the cumulative weight of these burdens for all humanity in his pierced and beaten body on the cross. Taking the fullness of our guilt in himself and receiving the full and complete wrath of God over sin, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. And he gave up the spirit on the cross. His victory was complete. And he rested from all the work that he had done in the tomb until the third day when he rose in glory. You see, both the healing of the woman and the raising of the girl, these are a foreshadowing of the resurrection. These miracles point to what Christ has accomplished for you and for all humanity. All who trust in him will be raised to eternal life even as he is risen and lives and reigns unto eternity this is God's promise to you in Christ, his risen Son. In baptism, you are joined to Jesus, washed clean of sin, filled with his Holy Spirit. You see, in those waters, he claimed you as his son, his daughter. You are God's child. So also now in his holy Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all your sins and the sins of all believers. When you confess your sins, it is Christ who absolves you. 
When you stumble, his spirit calls you to repentance. He bears you up and he brings you to his house where you come here to his table and you touch not the fringe of his garment, but his very body and blood. And he gives you all his gifts and blessings in his holy supper. Here in his house, Jesus forgives you. Jesus blesses you. Jesus heals you by his word and sacrament. He binds you up and he gives you his resurrection life. He encourages you and he comforts you saying, take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has saved you. Then from his table and from his house, you can get up and go out with the final stanza of our hymn in your hearts and upon your lips. Now in Christ, death cannot slay me. Though it might day and night trouble and dismay me, Christ has made my death a portal from the strife of this life to his joy immortal. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the wounded people of God, redeemed by Christ's blood, that they would be healed and strengthened to lead worthy and fruitful lives in his kingdom, let us pray to the Lord. For the churches of the Lord, tended as lights in the darkness, that they may shine by the power of his Spirit and show forth his gospel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For daily bread, for contentment in his gifts, and for thankful hearts to serve our neighbors, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For godly rulers, that our Lord would raise them up in our land and make them honored by Christians who nevertheless fear Christ alone as maker and redeemer, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace in this fallen world, that the Lord of the nations would defeat the plans of those who would stir up violence and strife and destroy the weapons of those who delight in war, bloodshed, and acts of terror. And for the coming of the day when all conflict shall cease, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Helen Tate, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lipty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, and for all who cry out to their Father in heaven, that he would answer their prayers and vindicate them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For certainty in the promises of Christ's body and blood, that we may be drawn to our Lord's presence in the blessed sacrament to eat and drink in faith, adoring him who is our rock and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For confidence in the power of Christ's resurrection so mocked in this dying world, that we may arrive faithfully at the gate of death to join the saints in glory. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, once again, welcome and good morning to you all on this Lord, day which the Lord has given to us. Uh, looking ahead at our week, of course, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, adults for Bible study today, you might want to bring a hymnal with you because we're going to be looking at, uh, um, now it's kind of a funny thing, the appointed hymn of the day. Now here's the deal. The hymn of the day that we had was the hymn of the day for us. The appointed hymn of the day is a beautiful Luther hymn that kind, kind of carries some of the same themes that today did, but the tune is really difficult, <laughs> which is why I didn't put that in the service today. So we'll look at Luther's uh, hymn for today, this, uh, the actual appointed hymn for today for Bible study uh, 
Uh, we'll, we'll take that up today. Looking ahead into the week, uh, we've got Esther Bible Study tomorrow at 1.30, Trinity Classical Classroom Tuesday at 9, uh, and then Wednesday um, at 7 p.m. is our Thanksgiving Eve service, and then naturally on Thursday the office will be closed in observance of Thanksgiving. Uh, there are still Thanksgiving cards available in the library. Contact Louise if you have any questions about those. And then also uh, this next one here, the Fetter Family Missionary uh, Christmas Gift. The Women's Guild is going to be sending uh, the Fetter Family a monetary Christmas gift this year. This is our missionaries that are serving in Romania. If anyone else would like to contribute to this fund, uh, please give your donation to Sharon Gibson by December 10th. Uh, these donations can then be combined and sent together. With just all the wild things that are going on in the world that continues to be a dynamic and changing situation for them. They have a bunch of Ukrainian refugees that are coming into the area as well. Uh, there's just a lot of good work to do. Uh, it's a challenging area of the world for uh, Pastor Fetter to, to serve in along there with his family beside him. So uh, let's see what we can do to bless them this Christmas and con continue, of course, to keep them in prayer. Uh, Trinity Women's Guild cookbooks, they continue to be available for $15. You can see Aaron if you have questions about that. Um, and the Trinity Women's Meeting was actually last Thursday, but nonetheless, it's still there. I forgot to take that out. Forgive me. Uh, and again, just a reminder that we do have our Thanksgiving Eve service um, on the, this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. And of course, we look forward on Saturday to uh, some excitement as uh, Michael and Megan will be united in holy matrimony. We look forward to that. They'll be at uh, Trinity and Carnia is where the service is being held because, gosh darn it, there's just so many family and friends. We've got we to gotta have the room. Uh, but we look forward to that. That'll be a great joy on that day. So we go in peace, knowing that by our faith we are saved. That is not of ourselves, but Christ our Savior has saved us, and we cling to him in faith, and we look forward to that great day of his return. I'll greet you at the door.